0: Hello, lovers. I'm so excited to bring Kyle Olson from Rumble and Stir onto the podcast today to spill all the tea about all the drinks you may be considering on your wedding day. We talk about everything from logistics you definitely won't have considered when it comes to your wedding beverages to delicious cocktail and mocktail trends. Kyle definitely has a passion for cocktails and is a true master of his craft. I love his cocktails. I promise I'm not a lush, guys. i mean, actually very dry. I just drink water, but I do love a good, tasty cocktail. I loved having Kyle on the podcast today, and I'm sure you're going to love this episode, too. So cheers to today's episode. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verve Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Welcome to today's episode of Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, and today we're talking about the bar with our guest, Kyle Olson of Rumble and Stir. So who is Kyle? After a professional music career that spanned over a decade in New York City, Kyle Olson's focus turned to the service industry, first in event hospitality, then in human resources. Eventually, his need for a creative outlet found a home in cocktails. Through bartending and his Instagram, Rumble and Stir, Kyle started developing authentic connections with those he served. These relationships organically led to Rumble and Stir, the mobile bartending company. Today with his company, he designs specialty cocktails and manages full bar service for cocktail classes, private home gatherings, and medium to large weddings. He has a passion for the alchemy of drink making and the conversations and connections that it sparks. Guys, please help me welcome Kyle to the show. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to talk to you.
1: I'm so glad to be here and thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, I read your bio at the top, but I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit more in your own words, you know, how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. I think the part of my bio that talks about my music career is actually pretty pertinent because I stopped playing music about four years ago, like right before the pandemic. And during the pandemic, I'm not alone in that there wasn't a lot to do. And one of the things me and my wife wanted to do was experiment with cocktails. That was where my passion took off. I had worked in event hospitality. I had helped manage bar programs, but I had never really taken the dive myself. And it was through friends of mine who were great bartenders and a few cocktail books that I really got inspired. And it started filling this void that was left after I had departed from my music career. In a way, cocktails are similar to music, in that you spend a lot of time researching and trying different things and practicing and experimenting with all these different genres and flavors. And then you bring it back together and share it with people. And I think that that's something that really inspired me about cocktails, even more so than my music career, where it, which tended to tilt towards the kind of experimental, and it wasn't popular music that I was playing. But after the pandemic and missing being around people and having this new passion, I really loved that aspect of cocktail making. It was a conversation starter. It's just a really neat thing that we've been doing as a species for a very long time in a whole spectrum of ways. So basically, I started bartending at a couple different places. And in the meantime, I was still doing research, started posting on Instagram it became this blog and also just a place to document basically the research i was doing and organically that changed and morphed into this company i've just am so grateful for the relationships and connections that have been built through this this interest that i had that i had no idea would lead that direction
0: i love that because i feel like i'm not surprised That you are an artist of some sort because, you know, with music, you're very, you're right because it's, you're creating, you're doing something different and you're creating something new. And then with cocktails, it's a lot of experimentation. You have to have, I think, a creative mind to be able to want to think about how things layer together, how they go together, you know, experimentation. I would be terrible at that. I think I'd be like, well, no, you should always do, you know, this. I mean, I feel like I know flavors, but I'd be like, I have no idea, you know, if this should be this alcohol versus this spirit or whatever. But I think, you know, you're really hitting on something with like, when you're making cocktails, it's you're creating something tangible, and then you're sharing it with people, which is like, you know, when I when we met you know, I just sidled up to the bar and, you know, we talk and you have a conversation and you are creating this delicious, amazing thing. You know, you're talking about stuff. So I think that's just really interesting.
1: Yeah. I love every aspect of it. I love that like self work, but then I also love sharing it with people at the bar. And I love, especially when people are interested in trying new things and we can talk about where it comes from and a lot of cocktails come from just about six original recipes, and then everything kind of spirals away from that.
0: Oh, that's interesting. It's like the mother sauces in French cooking. Is that right? <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's one of the first cocktail books that I really dove into. It was a book called Cocktail Codex by the people who own the bar, Death & Company in New York City, where they hypothesized that every cocktail that's ever been made is based on six main cocktails, which include Old Fashions, Martinis or Manhattans, Margaritas. There's a few more, but if you look at any cocktail, you go to a bar and they have a specialty menu, that can be linked back to one of these original cocktails, which to me is also such a fun thing to play with when we're experimenting.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's so interesting. So yeah, so let's dive into today's topic. You know, we're talking about everything about the bar. And I think it's so fun because we at my company, Ver, we love customizing signature cocktails based on so much inspiration from the wedding, the couple, their favorite spirits, the overall vibe, there's, you know, the season, there's so many places where we can start going along with that. What are some current trends in cocktails that you've observed, whether for weddings or events? And then are there any popular flavors or ingredients that your clients are often requesting for their events?
1: Well, I'd say the biggest trend that I've noticed is incorporating their pets into the inspiration for the cocktail. I've had multiple cocktails that we've created for couples. Or renamed for couples that were based on their dogs, which to me as a dog lover, I'm totally down. People might think that it's silly, but I actually think it's so sweet. And if that means something to this couple, that's such a great jumping off point. I had another couple where <laughs> one's based on her dad and her dog. So that's even, <laughs> that's even better. But were
0: they the same cocktail?
1: Yeah, they so they, and I'll tell you the most popular cocktails of the moment for these things are espresso martinis, dirty martinis, which is an amazing thing that that's come back around because I feel like the dirty martini has come in and out in this past summer, just got very popular when I was bartending, when I was talking to couples about their wedding day. And then spritzes, I would say are extremely popular. The Aperol spritz being one, and then a newer one to us in the States, but it's been really popular in Italy for a while, is called the Hugo spritz. That incorporates St. Germain, Prosecco, mint, and club soda.
0: Oh, I do love a St. Germain and Prosecco combination. So I definitely feel like that sounds like a really fun one. Going back to the pets, we love incorporating the pets. I feel like the bar is a really fun way to do it. When people are incorporating the pets, is it just their name or are they like, hey, we have this dog. This is their name. Can you think of a cocktail that would be good for this? Or are they just like, we also like this?
1: At least in my experience, it's always the name. The name is a jumping off point. And the most recent one is a dog named Sage. And so the couple was like, well, we would love, and this is what I was saying before, we would love a cocktail that incorporates sage, the herb, and gin, because my dad loves gin. And so to me, like anything, even if you said like, we love a Cosmo, make a Cosmo. I'm like, that's amazing. Everyone's going to love a Cosmo. It's a great choice. But then if you bring it more personal this way, and we're doing something that maybe isn't as popular, isn't like a classic cocktail, we're going to create something new. I Love that inspiration. I love those two little guideposts. And then, you know, I talk to these couples. I get to know them a little bit more. I get to know what they like. You know, are their guests going to like sweeter cocktails, more complex? And then they can kind of opine on that. And then I go out and I do research. You know, if I don't have a gin and sage cocktail in my tool belt, With this couple, I went out and I found four or five and I started experimenting. And it's so great because I love to find new flavors. And that's basically what my Instagram page is about is showcasing these new cocktails, new flavors that I'm coming across and sharing them with people who are following. So it's great for content creation, but also for finding new flavors. This one I found through this couple was Sage, Clementine oranges, gin, a little bit of lime, and then tonic. fairly simple cocktail, but like amazingly refreshing. I think their wedding is in beginning of September, so that, that'll work. I think Sage kind of b- bridges the gap between summer and fall. So I'm excited about that cocktail, but I sent them, you know, a few different options, and they can kind of go where they want to go.
0: I think that is so much fun and I love like the idea of experimenting with different flavors and different profiles. When you are thinking of, you know, the ingredients for the cocktail, are you also having to worry about is this going to be able to be made in mass for a large group of people? Cause I feel like, you know, when I am at the bar and I saddle up and, you know, it's like you're spending five minutes or you know, longer on a cocktail. Versus Mm -hmm. like you have a big wedding with lots of guests and everyone's like, I hate waiting at the bar. How do you balance, (laughs) you know, the beauty and the craft and the artistry versus like making a lot?
1: I mean, that's a great question. And it's something I think about a lot. I am a huge fan of pre-batching items. You know, when I go to a family party, I will bring a liter bottle of a pre-batch cocktail as just people can serve themselves. And you can... Do it to that degree where the cocktail is ready to go in a bottle and you pour it in the glass, it's pre-chilled and handed off. But I like to kind of scale that back a little bit because, especially with the service we provide at weddings, there is a little bit of theater in these craft cocktails. There is a little bit of like, I want to see someone make me this martini. I want to see the ingredients that go into it. My first favorite cocktail was an old-fashioned, and that's classically. Part of getting an old-fashioned is seeing a bartender, a master bartender, how they prepare it, and the time that they spend stirring it and diluting it and getting it down to the right temperature. There's that gap to bridge. And so what we typically end up doing is, especially with things like fresh juices, we batch a ton of fresh juice beforehand so that, A, we don't have to squeeze limes or lemons on the spot. But B, we're not having to use kind of artificial ingredients, because one of the things I tell anybody is that the first way to elevate any cocktail is to use the freshest ingredients possible. So there's a lot of work that goes into it at the beginning. But depending on the cocktail, I really love to get creative. And if there's certain elements that I can mix together, and where it's just like I'm pouring the spirit, and then I'm pouring this mix that we've made. And then shaking it so the whole thing takes, you know, 20 to 30 seconds. That's great. You know, a lot of weddings that we do, we are the martini bar, we're the specialty bar. So if people want a beer, they have another place to go, they can get that fast. But we've found that sometimes they really do rush the bar. It's after the ceremony, and we're working as fast as we can. And there's always those guests who are going to curl around and start crowding you. And you're like, I can't even move my arms to make a drink. But more times than not, people love to watch the process. People love to talk about the drinks and no one's really going anywhere. I've always thought that I would rather serve the best drink possible than get you something so fast. And that is kind of the current cocktail culture. But I do appreciate your question because it's something to think about in these larger weddings. How can we keep it moving?
0: I think you bring up something important, which is there's like a normal bar where you get the beer and the wine and, you know, like whatever. But if you're wanting something with a more theatrical experience, really, it's like when you go to a restaurant with an open kitchen, like you love seeing the fire. You love seeing the process. You love being able to like see the bartender mixing everything and like tweaking it a little bit. So I think thinking about how you want that experience to be for your guests and a lot of, Couples, I think, want more experiential things, so having something like you where it's like not just a bar, it's you know, a craft cocktail experience where they're getting to see it and it's really special, I think is definitely something to be considered, for sure.
1: I think it's such a nice gift that these couples are giving to their guests because not all of us go to really high-end cocktail bars all the time. I think most people are used to maybe not a dive bar experience, but like a sports bar experience where it's high volume, just like, you know, give me my beer, give me my like vodka soda and to see someone actually measure out the ingredients, make it perfect and have each drink that we put out be great, great, great. I think that's really special. I applaud a lot of these couples for thinking about that and having that be their little special touch and gift to their guests.
0: I'm interrupting my interview with Kyle today for a second because while choosing signature cocktails is fun, there is a lot more to wedding planning than taste testing beverages and cake. But don't worry, we have got you covered here at the Ask the Planner podcast. Last year, we created the Ultimate Wedding Planning Checklist, which quite frankly, really puts all those old wedding binders to shame. Sorry, Martha Stewart and Amazon, and all those terrible terrible binders and PDFs on Etsy because honestly, guys, they don't even actually help you plan your wedding. They're just pretty to look at, but you're not going to use them. On the other hand, our wedding planning checklist is one of our best sellers in our template shop and for a good reason. If you are looking for something comprehensive that will help you stay organized through whatever Ever wedding planning throws at you so you don't have to keep drinking more cocktails, use code PODCAST10 during checkout to get 10% off your entire cart and off the ultimate wedding planning checklist. Visit shop.verveventco.com to learn more about why it is truly our number one bestseller. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com and use the code PODCAST10 for to save 10% off your entire car. Now back to today's episode with Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone likes a fun experience, and especially at cocktail hour, people are always looking for something else to entertain their guests. And I'm like, we've done photo booths, can we do do something else, you know? (laughs) And, you know, so like having something like this would be really, really fun. I think we talked about it a little bit Already, but as far as incorporating the seasonal elements into cocktails, are there specific flavors or ingredients that you find are your go to for the season or people should be thinking about when they're like, oh, I, you know, our wedding is in the fall or in the spring or whatever that you think are always successful?
1: It's funny. I think some people have a little bit of risk aversion and they just want to go pure classic. You know, we've done martini bars where it's classic or dirty martinis, cosmo, and espresso martinis. Doesn't matter the season, those are all going to land really well. And if that's what a couple wants to do, that works great. I do encourage our couples to with the spritzes, have that stick more in the summer. That's a very refreshing, putting it in quotes, hydrating drink, great for warm weather when we're getting into like the October weddings. It's not exactly a drink that's going to warm you the same way that, you know, one of these martinis would or a whiskey drink would. This year, I was a big fan of all the fall flavors. I love apple in cocktails. I love all the spices like clove and ginger and cinnamon. And so I always tried to introduce that as an option in the summer, more of these fresh fruits, you know, the clementine, I think. That's an orange that you can get year round, but it's really refreshing. Different herbs. Mint is great in the summertime. To me, like spring is like a visual. There's a visual moment where everything's blooming. And, you know, it's very easy these days to buy edible flowers, which are great touches in cocktails. Even if you took something like a Cosmo, which I think is pretty good year round. And you did like a small variation on that that maybe included something like St. Germain or something a little more floral and then garnished it with a couple like petals of flowers on top. That I think would be such a nice touch for a spring wedding.
0: I feel like it would photograph really well and it would just like be really fun for guests to enjoy. So when you're creating cocktails and say that they are you know more okay with being more adventurous to your client, Are you worried about balancing the cocktail so that it appeals to a wide range of guests? Or are you like, you know, this is really great, or like, we'll have two, this is for the more adventurous people. Because, you know, you're right, I think some people are going to stick to the go-tos. But if the couple is more like, you know, we love to be adventurous, but maybe the guests aren't. Like, how do you think through those things?
1: think that for anyone, whether you're at your wedding, if you're at a wedding or you're not, even if you're unfamiliar with a drink, like the name of a drink, if you're familiar with the ingredients, you will be a little more likely to try that cocktail. The classics are, you know, I usually give the couples a list of our classic go-tos that are crowd pleasers. But In talking with couples, sometimes it'll be revealed that they are really big fans of, say, Amaro. Amaro is a a bitter Italian liqueur. By itself, it's not for everybody. Like I said, it's very bitter. Think Campari. Campari is an Amaro. And if they wanted to include that in a drink, I am 100% for it. I don't know if everyone will get it. I don't think it'll be as popular as an espresso martini but nothing is as popular as an espresso martini. I would recommend cocktails that were in Amaro. It, Amaro is like an element of it, but we would have other attractive flavors to go with it. And as long as I've bartended, it doesn't matter how attractive you make it sound. Some people are just not going to try something they don't know. It's the couple, like they're, you know, it's totally up to them. If, if this is something that's really important to them, You know, I think it's important for them to follow their heart in that. I have plenty of great cocktail ideas that involve Amaro. So I encourage you to go with your gut on these things.
0: Yeah, I agree. I always tell couples that it's more interesting for your guests, for you to lean in to what is more unique about you guys. Whether it's so many different things, because I feel like that is what makes your wedding more memorable and not like every single wedding that everyone's ever been to, mm-hmm. you know, you have the classics, which are great. But then I think like if you want to spend time having a fun cocktail experience, I would rather do something more creative than yeah. just the same. But that's me. And that's why I feel like I'm like ADD when it comes to designs. Because I'm like, I just want to do the same thing over and over again.
1: Yeah. No. And I think that's okay. Because then you have this really deep tool belt of all the things you can draw from. So I recently did have a couple whose one of their family produces limoncello. And so they really want to incorporate their family limoncello into a cocktail. Now limoncello is a little more accessible than say like a bitter amaro. But I love that that they're like we want to figure out a great cocktail whether it's a limoncello spritz or something else that we can come up with together. But what an amazing personal touch and kind of ode to their greater family. To incorporate that. We've just kind of scratched the surface. I think, you know, in the new year, we're going to start talking about ideas for that. I'm really excited to investigate some cello ideas.
0: No, I think that's a really good point. And I think if anyone gets anything from this episode, it's really just to think outside the box and lean into what is different and unique about you guys, you know, something random, which I feel like is makes it even more fun. To be mm-hmm. random, I think it makes your wedding just much more memorable. Something kind of more on the logistic side of what, you know, weddings and events. I know that, you know, depending on the celebration, some couples have wanted to purchase everything for the bar, which I think can bring in some logistical issues. I have thoughts about this. I actually already said it, but mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on like when someone's working with you? And they're like, can we just buy everything? Or can you bring some stuff and we bring a bunch of it? Like, How do you handle that? Because I feel like a lot of times they're doing it for economical reasons. But I don't know if it's necessarily the best use of you know,
1: effort. Yeah. Well, for us, because the State Liquor Authority is so strict on a lot of these rules, it really depends on the venue, where they are. We are partnering with Crispin Hill for 2024. Crispin Hill has a liquor package that is included with their weddings. And so basically when someone hires us, we are pulling from that liquor package. And if there are any specialty items that Crispin Hill doesn't provide, then that is on them to bring. Now, the one thing I will say is I make a very concerted effort to give them very specific notes on their shopping list because I've done events and worked for people where I said, all right, so we've got these three cocktails to make the best version possible. These are my recommendations. I, you know, I give a few different tiered recommendations for coffee liqueur for an espresso martini. Here are three different options, three different price points. You've got this many guests, so I would recommend getting this many bottles. And then I've shown up and they have completely gotten something totally different that's way cheaper. And hey, I'm of that mindset too in a lot of areas of my life. But we're not going to be able to make you the same quality cocktail as if you would have gotten one of these that we we have painstakingly vetted over the years <laughs> through lots of personal research. That's the downside. You're You're putting a lot of trust in people's hands who have a lot of other stuff on their mind. In the case that we're able to provide, I think it's just it takes so much stress off of the client's plate, you know, it's it might be a little more expensive. That would be in any mobile bark tending company if they're providing, it's going to be more expensive than if you go to the store yourself. But like I said, the benefits are we're going to get you the best stuff and we're going to get the right amount. And you won't have to even worry about it. And we'll be there and make you an amazing bar.
0: Yeah, I think most of the time we're working at events, but there are weddings that are home weddings and you're bringing in everybody. And if a couple wants to provide the alcohol or whatever, I find that they always purchase way too much, usually times like the wine or whatever. And then I'm like, if you had just bought it from the person that's providing it, they know how much to be getting for everything. You know, they've done this a million times. And then they're stuck with like two cases, four cases of champagne that they're like trying to give to us at like the holiday time or whatever, you know, because they're just like, we're just trying to unload. All And then it's also like, you have to go to the store, find this random like brandy that you don't know. And then, you know, it's. I feel like it's just, I get, and I'm totally, you know, on board for being economical and, you know, using your money wisely, but also I'm also like, you have other things that you need to be doing and you need to be focusing on and letting the professional kind of handle that aspect of it for you. Plus then you don't have to like buy all the garnishes, bring, you know, all of the lines that need to be cut up and like all that stuff. I feel like it's just more headache than people actually think about.
1: We're very insistent that we bring all the fresh ingredients, no matter what, for garnishes, for juices. I I don't think I'm a control freak in any area of my life except for that, because I know the difference between fresh lime juice and Rose's Lime. If anyone from Rose's Lime is listening, I'm really sorry. But fresh lime juice is just like in a cocktail. It's one of the best things in the world. And same with other fresh juices, pineapple juice. Cranberry is an interesting one. I mean, in a Cosmo, I actually think ocean spray is the best cranberry juice to use. But there's other things where you're going to want like a much more like fresh, real juice. And I think it's best if you just leave that to us to sort out and figure out how to package and bring. And we also, we're very visually minded too. So, I package everything in like very nice, clear 750 milliliter bottles. We have it presented nicely on the back bar, which I would much prefer than having like a big old gallon of ocean spray and like minute made orange juice. <laughs> the other thing to your point that you mentioned earlier is the wine and chilling champagne and white wine. It's one of the scariest things in the world because. And what I would say to people who insist on going and buying their own alcohol is before you purchase anything, check with the alcohol store, with the liquor store, what their return policy is. Some do have a return policy that, you know, if you don't get anything wet or chilled, you can bring it back to them. That being said, you've now introduced this crazy tightrope walk of like, what's too much to chill? And then you need 45 minutes of something on ice before it's good to serve. you know, I'm talking about white wine. And so if your bartenders are slammed and the white wine's running low, you might not get that on ice quick enough to keep it flowing. So you know, Desiree to your point, it is good to have professionals on board to help make these decisions.
0: It is a pain in the butt, guys. Do not underestimate what it takes to stock just the bar. And I think you have a good point because people will be like, "Okay, if we get all of this, and we made me think about returning it, you can't get it wet." You know, if it's on ice, because it's not like if you're at a home wedding, it's not like you have a giant walk-in fridge that's keeping everything nice and chills. And then, you know, it's just such a headache. And like I know with like beer, you don't really want to be chilling it and then unchilling it. With wine, again, you don't want to do the temperature variations because it's going to mess it up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just think through those things, guys, if you're thinking about doing that.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there's amazing, great articles you could find through Google on good strategies for that. But one strategy it might recommend is hiring a bar company.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, I agree. So going back to the budget, you kind of mentioned there's different tiers for how expensive we want to be spending on these cocktails. Do you have any recommendations to be more cost effective, but yet still being on the you know economical side that couples can be thinking about if they want to go down this route?
1: One thing I think about a lot, because I also teach cocktail classes, is that Something that helps bring the price down is, you know, if you have specialty cocktails, having cocktails that kind of overlap ingredients. So you can make a few things out of a few ingredients. You know, if you're going to go with vodka cocktails, like, you know, I want a Cosmo and I want a lemon drop. There's a lot of overlapping ingredients in that where you don't have to buy all these individual bottles for every drink that you're doing. That's Hard for the everyday person to know that overlap if they're not as familiar with what goes into these drinks, but it should lower the price if you stick with one spirit. You know, vodka based cocktails, gin based cocktails, whiskey based cocktails. It's not what everyone wants, but if it comes down to it, you can definitely have an amazing bar with one base spirit. And, you know, I'll go back to Lemon Drop and Cosmo. Those both have Quantro or triple sec in it. So you've got your vodka, you've got your triple sec, you can make two different cocktails. You just need the right fruit juice.
0: I think that's a really good point because I feel like just being efficient with your ingredients is going to, one, be less of a headache. And yeah. two, you don't have to worry as much about getting the right quantities because you can use them for both ingredients. Because I think if you are having a nice craft cocktail experience, you don't want to be getting lower tier alcohol because it's just gonna ruin all the hard work and like the time you spent c- creating that flavor profile.
1: And when we present tiers of liquor recommendations to give to people, I think it's important for them to know that the difference is it's not going to make or break the cocktail. Like we can make you a great espresso martini with Tito's. Like it's gonna taste great. We can make you the best espresso martini, and this is everyone's secret, with vanilla vodka. The best espresso martinis are made with specifically Stoli vanilla vodka. It's not a sweet product, but it just adds this extra layer that kind of implies dessert. And I really highly recommend that. But like I said, if you wanted to go with Tito's because you want that in like your classic martini, we can definitely make that enjoyable for everybody.
0: That's, I think a great point that you bring up, which is what we talk about on the show a lot is just, you just have to have preferences and priorities. Like, you know, how important is this flavor profile to you? Are you okay with that? And I think it just comes down to having to make those decisions for couples, but I love the tip on the Stoli vanilla. I used to love a good Stoli raz and ginger ale.
1: (laughs) That sounds all right. Okay.
0: Because I feel like it was, we liked it because it wasn't overly sweet. So anyway, shout out to my girl, Mary Beth, because we would make Uh, those a lot. So moving on a little bit, one thing that people have asked me, so in Ink Weddings actually asked them about this too, was not all guests consume alcohol. So what are creative and delicious mocktails that you like or that you go to that people will enjoy so that everyone feels included in the celebration?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think mocktails, I mean, they've gotten so popular across the board, especially up here in the Rochester area. It's really amazing what's happening with that and the amount of people who choose not to drink and they've gotten really deep and there are a lot of options for a wedding and offering that for your guests, I think is really special. I sometimes think that with mocktails simpler can be better when my wife was pregnant with both of our children her favorite drink in the world was a virgin moscow mule i mean the ginger beer lime juice like that's two ingredients and it was just so refreshing and so delicious some people will be like well that you know there's not a whole lot of effort in that well that's totally okay maybe we do cranberry lime ginger beer. That's something that's better, you know, kind of maybe in the fall months or what are some of the other flavors that go well in that cocktail? I mean, I'm even into raspberry ginger beer. I mean, I'm just stealing your drink from before, but you take that Moscow mule template, take away the vodka and you could replace the vodka with different Different things and experiment. Sometimes it's nice to do a mocktail version of one of the specialty cocktails that you're doing. I had worked at the Lake House on Canandaigua for a little bit, and they had a really great non alcoholic cocktail menu that basically took classic cocktails like the Cosmopolitan, the Mojito, and a really crazy variation on a Spritz and did that without the booze. People loved that. Mocktails can tend to be a little on the sweeter side because a lot of those ingredients, you know, people, I think their impulse is to go towards fruit juices, but there are a lot of really cool non-alcoholic ingredients these days, like non-alcoholic spirits that kind of emulate everything from spiced rum to gin. There's a really interesting product called San Bitter, and San Bitter is a non-alcoholic Campari alternative. So you could do something with that if you wanted to elevate it. There's a tiki cocktail called a Jungle Bird that has Campari and lime and pineapple juice. And if we took out the rum of that and used the sand bitter, this could be a, a winner. I actually haven't tried it, but now I really want to try it.
0: I know. I feel like you're going to go do a lot of experimenting after this. A lot of times people don't necessarily want to feel like they're not drinking like i feel like a long time ago they felt left out if they were drinking a mocktail for whatever reason but now i feel like with the advancement of the flavor profiles of mocktails they just want something that tastes good it doesn't have to be you know super complex right. but i feel like just something that tastes good that makes them feel like you know getting the alcohol part i think is really what people are wanting
1: yeah and also never underestimate the power of like herbs mint does a lot but also sage, thyme, rosemary, all those things can really elevate a cocktail, but also a mocktail. It's fair game.
0: Okay. So going back to the logistics, managing the flow, et cetera, is there a number or a ratio or a formula that you like to follow to ensure that there's enough bartenders per guest? Because I know a lot of people you know, hate the line at the bar. Obviously, if it's going to be a more craft cocktail experience, it's going to take some more time. But how do you try to figure out, you know, to make sure that you are working with the right number of staff to service the number of guests that are at the event?
1: I personally use a pretty specific range. Most ideal would be 50 guests per bartender. But when you have strong bartenders, that number can go up to 75 per bartender. So for me personally, I have to know who's available to work with me that day. I have my go-to. And she's awesome. And so I'm very comfortable with us going up to that seventy-five number. When it goes beyond seventy-five per bartender, we're, you know, working our butts off, but if you feel the pressure the whole time and it feels like it doesn't slow down for whatever. So ideally, and this this was the rule that was established in some of the companies I worked for in New York City was 50 per bartender.
0: That's actually what I would go off of. You know, I took the CMP a long time ago as a certified mm-hmm. meeting planner a long time ago. And that was basically the formula was like 50 per bartender on a flow. But then, you know, if it was more of like a longer cocktail hour, you could extend it to 75. But if it's like everyone's hitting the bar at the same time, you really don't want to be at like 100 per bartender because then it's just going to be a line.
1: You know, I mentioned how we do the specialty bars at Crispin Hill. And that's a little more complicated because they have their bar staff and there's usually two or three of them working. And let's say there's a 150 person wedding. That's pretty amazing. If there's two of us and three of them, that's like 30 people per bartender. But then if you're making the cocktails well enough at the specialty bar, that soon flip-flops and we're slammed. But it's really nice to have that option. That's part of why I think that the specialty cocktail bar martini bar is such a great option because it alleviates some of that pressure from the main bar
0: okay what if a client is like i just want someone that can mix drinks for us for the night i'm gonna get my friend to do it (laughs) what are your thoughts on that i don't think you get that a lot but i definitely feel like somewhere out there some people like i'm just gonna get a friend to do it just like i'm gonna get a friend to photograph my wedding what are your thoughts on that Obviously, it's well,
1: not going to be what you do. Well, for bartending, maybe they are. Maybe they're a great bartender. But I would ask you, how good of a friend is this? How well do you know them? And if they're a great friend that you know well, you don't want them to work the whole night. You want them to be hanging out and celebrating with you. And if you don't know them well and this isn't their business, you know, I feel like there's been enough horror stories of bartenders who have sampled the product themselves where the bar slowly becomes a mess. I, you know, in my entire career, I've only worked in venues where drinking for the bartenders is completely off limits. You know, there are certain bars where, you know, that's like a gray area, but in events, you know, professional bartenders, it's across the board, professionalism and great service is first and foremost next to their expertise in drink making. Asking a friend to do it also could be perilous to your friendship if they're just stressed and it's the worst and everyone's drinking too much. If you're able to, I would recommend hiring someone else,
0: which is basically a theme that we have on this podcast anyway. So, (laughs) also like something to think about too, guys, is like if you are thinking about doing this, you need to think about liability because, you know, someone. There are laws, I'm not going to get into it now, but there's laws in different states as far as like if people leave, who's responsible, you don't want someone happen, I've seen it and you know, someone's overserved. something happens, there's lots of things to be thinking about. So when you're going down this route of like who you're hiring, making sure people have the right licensing, if it's the venue, whatever it is. I think thinking about that is obviously very important. And like Kyle said, you definitely want to preserve the relationship. So hiring professionals professional is probably the best route yeah. that you can do because there's so many horror stories of people being disappointed with something after the fact, and then you don't have any recourse to change it because you're a friend, they did it as a favor, whatever. So good point. <laughs> So, we're going to do our last two segments, which are Never Have I Ever and This or That. So, for today's Never Have I Ever, the question is Never have I ever sent a drink to a stranger or accepted a drink from a stranger? <sighs>
1: I never, never have I ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever have either. I was thinking about this last night when I was making it. I was like, I don't think I ever have. However, I do think that. I was roofied. We were all were. At we a bar. all were? This is the story. So we were, it was Halloween in DC when we where we lived and a whole bunch of us dressed up as the cast from Gilligan's Island. So we we're all in, you know, in our outfits and then costumes. We went to a bar and my husband ordered us a drink. And then the bartender said something really weird, which was, are you driving tonight? obviously not. I'm at the bar. And he goes, no. And then the bartender goes, cause I'm not going to give this to you if you are, Huh. which was very strange. Does and he then, say that to every single like, person? We had our night. And then like the next thing we remember is like, we're all passed out on my friend's couch. And like, we walked home that night, but like me, my friend, my husband, his friend, like all of us blacked out. And it wasn't like mm. it was in the beginning of the night. So I have never accepted a drink from a stranger, but I feel like we definitely got goofy. And then our friend, poor guy, he was Gilligan. He (laughs) ended up, because we were in a bar in Glover Park, so it's like up above Georgetown. He lived in Arlington. He lost his key or something. He gave his jacket to my friend, so she went home with it. And then he was like, crap, I don't know where my key is or my phone. So he had to walk three miles home. Oh. All because of this guy, I'm pretty sure that probably him. while
1: he was in that state, yeah, or was this that? was that the next day, or was that?
0: No, he walked home that night, so like because oh he didn't have his his jacket so he couldn't call a cab, yeah. didn't have his phone. you know, this is like early Uber days, and so he didn't know where we are, I guess because he couldn't call us, probably was a little disoriented and he had to walk like three miles home somehow and then broke into his house. <laughs> So, I mean, this was post-college, probably not the most reputable bar. Who knows? But again, also why you would probably want to hire a professional that has a good track record.
1: Yeah, it's pretty um, funny. Yeah. I mean,
0: your guests.
1: yeah, trusting your bartender in general, obviously highlighted by your story. It's so important. And when someone tells me a drink that they like and I suggest a different drink, I'm really hoping that they know that I have their best interests in mind. Like I said, there's different levels of risk aversion. So, but I'm always trying to, always trying to get people to try something new. I hope they one day trust me.
0: I love that. No, I think it's great. Okay, now we're gonna go our last segment, which is called "This or That." So, just say whatever comes to your mind first: mm-hmm. wine or beer? Beer. Whiskey neat or classic? Like a classic whiskey drink.
1: That has changed for me over time. I'm definitely now. In the classic cocktail, classic cocktail would be my answer.
0: Vodka or gin? Gin. Same. Craft cocktail or classic? Oh I mean, man, it's obvious, but I don't know. Maybe it's not.
1: Well, no, it depends on who's making the craft cocktail, because you know, here in Rochester, there are some bartenders that I just completely worship. You know, it's liquid alchemy. It's amazing. And then there's other times where you're like, oh man, I wish I would have just gotten an old fashioned. But I think, to my point earlier of trusting the bartender, craft cocktail.
0: (laughs) Love it. Margarita or mojito?
1: That changes by the day. I'm going to say mojito.
0: I think same. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a hard one.
0: I know it's a hard one. Rum punch or sangria?
1: Rum punch. What about you?
0: Rum punch. Transports you. Um, Mimosa or Bloody Mary?
1: Bloody Mary.
0: I'm a mimosa girl.
1: I, um, it's, so that's it's, okay. We can still be friends. It's one of the missions of my life to make the perfect Bloody Mary mix, and I've gotten close. I'm, that would I'm be
0: interesting. Honing in I it, I would try it.
1: Yeah, I would love to have you try it.
0: Long Island Iced Tea or Tequila Sunrise.
1: That, this is funny, but actually Long Island Iced Tea.
0: They, I think they taste good. Well,
1: if you measure them and you put the right amount of alcohol in, it's a really interesting drink. Like to all the different spirits working together. It's like a whole whole different experience.
0: I probably haven't had one in a really long time. I should yeah. probably try it, like a real one. So.
1: <laughs> and if it's made oh, well, properly, yeah. it's not overly powerful. I think people think it's like this insane drink, but it's only half ounce of each thing. So it's right. not much more alcohol than your normal cocktail.
0: Oh, yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, Kyle, it was so lovely chatting with you. I really appreciate your time. I feel like we could talk forever. (laughs) But we had to wrap up. So before I let you go, can you let our listeners know where to find you online?
1: Sure. You can find us at rumbleandstir.com and also on Instagram. The handle is rumbleandstir.
0: And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you again, Kyle, for your time. I can't wait to share your episode.
1: This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on
0: that's it for today's episode. Did this episode make anybody else thirsty? Because it sure made me want a cocktail or a mocktail and it's 11 o'clock at night while I record this. I hope you all genuinely enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. Kyle's passion is infectious and I can't wait to bring some of these ideas into the 2024 weddings that we planned this year because they were all delicious, both the cocktails and the mocktails. If you have questions about what we talked about today, send me a DM or leave it in your review on Apple Podcasts or leave a voicemail on our wedding planning hotline at 585-210-3467. Again, that's 585-210-3467 to leave a voicemail on our wedding planning hotline and we will be sure to answer answer one of your questions in a future episode on the podcast. Also, make sure you follow Kyle on Instagram at rumble and stir. His recipes are amazing, but so are also his photos. I love all the effort that he puts into his posts because they're truly just beautiful and just relaxing to watch. That brings us to our review of the day. Today's review comes from A Travats. Who writes, love this podcast, five stars. I rarely, if ever, leave reviews for things, but I had to do this. Yay! As someone who's planning a wedding with expensive taste but a very tight budget, unfiltered advice from a luxury wedding planner is really invaluable. Oh, that's so nice of you. I love the diversity of topics that Desiree covers and the different types of guests she brings on. The expert advice and insider tips from wedding professionals is something you can't find anywhere else. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's so nice. I've binged almost all of the episodes already and have so many ideas on how to create our perfect day while still staying on budget. Definitely recommend to anyone planning their flawless heirloom occasion, Winky face, 10 out of 10. And she also drops some emojis. She has some clinking champagne flutes an engagement ring a dove and a white heart and that is from AtraBats4 who I looked up her name is Allison so Allison thank you so much for leaving that amazing review and I just I feel like I need to just like cut that out and put it in front of my laptop because that is just an amazing review so lovers if you could be awesome like Allison please don't forget to leave a five-star review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify share it with a fellow couple take a picture of the podcast in your car me on Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast. We always love hearing from you. Seriously, I'm like driving in my car and I'll just like go on to the podcast and see if anybody else left a review. It's probably dangerous. I shouldn't do that. I actually just wait and usually only do that if I'm at a stoplight. But next time I'm doing it, I would love to see a review from you because it would just make my day. Reviews and shares are so helpful to us little indie podcasters who don't have a giant network behind us. Help be found by other listeners. If you're not sure what to write in your review, let me know where you're listening from. Drop some emojis like Allison did. Submit a question for a Never Have I Ever segment or suggest a topic for a guest for a future episode. We would just love to hear from you. If you're not sure what to write, You can definitely answer this week's question of the week, which is, if you were a wedding cocktail or a mocktail, what would you be? An Aperol Spritz, a French 75, a mocktail. We made these amazing mint and pineapple mocktails for New Year's Eve to go with our Pample Mousse 75s, which is basically a French 75 with grapefruit juice. And they were amazing and so refreshing. And the next day on New Year's, I was still having the mocktails and they were just so good. If I had to be a mocktail or a cocktail... I would be the Loose End, which is on Rumble and Stir's account right now. This is Kyle's. It is inspired by the East End cocktail from this restaurant here in Rochester called Avino. Shout out to my girl Janine at Avino and Chef Tim. I'm obsessed with them. Their food is amazing. It's their drink, which is called the East End. And then Kyle kind of did a, we were like coming up with different names for it. So we called it the Loose End, which I thought was hilarious. It has passion fruit gin elderflower and is so yummy so make sure you check that out because it's just it's literally my favorite drink in the world lovers let us know in your review what you would be if you were a signature cocktail or mocktail for your wedding maybe drop us some emojis that look like this cocktail because we would just love to hear from you That wraps up today's episode. Stay tuned for next week where we start our series all about the dreaded B word, which is budget. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. If you have any budget questions, how much do flowers cost? How much should I pay for a photographer? anything specific, let me know. Send me an Instagram DM or drop it in your view on Apple Podcasts and I will be sure to address it in our upcoming budgeting series. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you all soon. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you.